0: You're listening to the Born Again Anxious Podcast. Anxiety, depression, and other mental health issues don't just go away magically for Christians. So let's have an honest conversation about what it's like to be born again and anxious. Well, hey y'all, thanks for tuning in to the Born Again Anxious Podcast. I am your host, Adam Reynolds. So glad that you are uh, joining us today whether you uh, have us in your headphones or you're, you're driving down the road or, or whatever might be, uh, be going on. Glad that you are tuning in, whether it's your first time or, uh, or you've been listening to all of our episodes. Uh, today, I want to uh, share something a little bit different with you guys. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that in just a minute. Uh, but before that, um, I, I want to encourage you to go, if you're on Facebook, uh, go over to Facebook and go to, uh, facebook.com slash born again, anxious. Um, if you listen to previous episodes, you know, we may, you may know that we had a, um, a private group, uh, for the, the podcast. Uh, we've actually made that a public page, uh, that you can go and, um, uh, Uh, follow and and get updates, uh, certainly updates about new episodes, uh, but also other things as well that are hopefully uh, encouraging and and inspiring to you. Uh, So head over to Facebook and uh, and like that page, be sure to follow it, and uh, and keep up with what's going on with the Born Again Anxious podcast. Well, what I want to share with you this week is actually uh, content from a couple weeks ago. Uh, it's a recording of a uh, breakout session that I was able to do uh, on mental health, uh, specifically uh, the stigma surrounding mental health in in the church. Uh, I was speaking to a, a group of uh, pastors and and leaders uh, in the church who um, wanted to know more about this topic about. About mental health and mental illness, and and why is there this stigma surrounding it, and and what can we do? And so, in the episode, you'll hear we we kind of laid out some some basic okay, what is what is mental health? What is mental illness? What is what is a mental disease? Uh, things like that. We we gave some some reasons for why this stigma exists, um, and then I, then I gave maybe some some advice on how to. Uh, start working towards breaking this stigma uh, the the thing about what you're about to listen to is I feel like it just scratched the surface right and so in 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 future episodes i want I want to dive in deeper to this idea of the the stigma uh, that's surrounding mental health in the church and and how we can break that down uh, but for now, I hope that you uh, enjoy listening to uh to this breakout session um, from the uh, Rule Matters Institute Summit. You know, my goals for today are just this. That I guess you would begin to gain a better understanding of mental illness, uh, how it impacts the church, and, and maybe some ideas of steps that we can take to decrease the, the stigma. Uh, I want you to know this, that, that I don't approach this primarily from a, uh, a pastoral perspective. Um, mindset, though though I am a pastor, um, but I approach this more from a, a personal mindset, um, a, a personal experience. Um, I am one who deals with uh, depression, anxiety, and panic attacks. Um, it's, it's part of my story. It, it has been um, the depression and anxiety, on, honestly, for quite a while, the panic attacks for about five years. Um my story is that we were living in Dallas. Uh, my wife and and at the time we just had one daughter and I we lived in Dallas and um one evening we were putting my daughter to bed and uh so I was I was laying on the floor uh my my wife and daughter were laying in my daughter's bed they were they were reading a book I was listening um I I stood up to walk out of the room. Uh, My wife walked out with me and I turned to her and I said, why is it so cold in our house? Um, It was the middle of the summer and it was 78 degrees in our house. And uh, and so I'm going, you know, man, why is it so cold? Why is it so cold? I put on uh, sweats. I put on multiple layers. I can't can't warm up. I'm under two blankets laying on the couch. um, And then I just start to cry uncontrollably. Um, have no clue what's going on uh, what, whatsoever. And, uh, you know, my wife looks at me and she, I mean, she's terrified and she's going, uh, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? And I'm going, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sad. I'm not angry. I'm not, I, I, I don't know what's happening. Anyway, I, I calmed down and uh, did what, what many people do is I simply tried to distract myself. Um, and so we turned on Netflix and we started watching something. I got up to get something to eat, uh, walked out of the living room, back into the living room, and my arms started to curl up like this, and I ended up on the floor in the fetal position, um, just bawling, thinking I'm having a heart attack. And of course, my poor wife is is there, doesn't know uh, what is going on. Uh, long story short, we we call the um, we call nine one one paramedics come out. Um, and after, I don't know, a long time, I'm finally calmed down and they say, look, we'll take you to the hospital if you want. But we think this was a panic attack, followed up with my doctor the next day. Sure enough, it was, um, prior to this, I had been dealing with about an eight month spell of, uh, of depression and, uh, um, and anxiety had had been mixed in with that as well, and so I, I tell you all that to, to let you know where I'm coming from on this is that I'm I'm looking at this in one way uh, through a pastoral lens, but but in a bigger way uh, through a through a personal lens, um, and I think that ha- that has shaped how I uh, do how how I do ministry. Uh, my my depression my anxiety uh, my panic attacks have have shaped that and i think it's given me an awareness of of um, those things that i didn't have before uh, whether you know it or not there's there's people in your congregation that have mental illness and myth, mental health issues um, it's amazing to me the number of of um, ministry leaders or pastors or, or whoever. Uh, that I talked to that, that they genuinely think no one in their congregation has a, uh, an issue with mental health. And, and when that's the case, I, I really kind of think it's probably one of three things. Either they don't know their people as well as they thought they did. Um, they're acting like it doesn't exist or they, I think worst case scenario are part of the stigma. Um, part of why there is a stigma surrounding this, um, because they're they're acting as if no, this is no big deal. Um, a couple of stats, and uh, and you know, many some of you may be familiar with these stats, um, but just to kind of give us a um, an idea of just how pervasive this is, you know, 4.5 million uh, between the ages of eight and fifteen have a mental health disorder at any one given time. Um, this is actually a statistic from about five years ago from the CDC. Uh, my guess is it's 2020 and this is probably, unfortunately way higher. Um, you know, 43.4 million adults have experienced at least one mental illness. Um, so, you know, you, you take those two numbers together and we're talking almost 50 million uh, in the United States alone, that have experienced some sort of, of mental illness or mental health disorder. Um, 23% of pastors, according to Lifeway, have said that they struggle uh, with, with mental health. Um, and if I'm honest, uh, because I'm a pastor, that number is probably higher, um, because I know there's many who who simply would not admit it. And then this is one that's, I think the most telling to me, 68% versus 28%. So the 68% is the number of pastors in a, in a study who said that churches, their church provided resources uh, for those who were dealing with mental illness. And then the 28% is those pastors, churches, who said that their church was providing mental health resources. Um, and I, I think this this is a good reminder for those of us, um, if you are in leadership, in in some way, uh, it's a good reminder for us that what we think we are presenting uh, isn't always what people hear. And so I so I think that we need to um, we need to be aware of that. Um, a few more, and then we'll then we'll jump into this. Um, we all know that twenty twenty has been quite a year. Um, You've heard about that in probably every single breakout session, right? Uh, We don't need to dwell on that, but, but the impact that this has had on mental health uh, is a little alarming. Um, Regardless of what, you know, people's views are on, on the pandemic and masks and blah, blah, blah. It's like, everybody has an opinion on that. And I'm just, I'm, Anyway, we don't need to go there. Mental health in 2020. Nearly every one of these, you know, you've got anxiety shooting up 15, 20% people who've experienced these symptoms. And this is, by the way, this is just, let, let me give some context. So 2019 on the left there, this is for the entire year. So that's like people in, um, people in the entire year that said they have experienced symptoms of anxiety on the right. It's people, they, they, uh, is the last week in June when they surveyed people. And the question was in the past 30 days, have you experienced this? So you're looking, so I, this to me, makes this even more, um, even more amazing, that on the 2019, you're looking at for an entire year. On the 2020, you're looking at essentially a month, right? So anxiety has skyrocketed, understandably. Depression has skyrocketed, understandably. And then those who have seriously considered suicide um, over over doubled almost three times uh, as many. Um, right at four percent to about eleven percent um, in in there, and so so this ought to be this ought to be concerning um, to us as as people who serve in in rural churches, um, because here's what I know: um, I've served both in a, a church in in urban setting in in Dallas, and I've served in the current church where I am. Uh, that sits in a town of about 300 people, um, and sometimes uh, the stigma in rural areas tends to be greater uh, with mental health. Um, there are all sorts of reasons why we could get into that, but it, but it's it's been fascinating to me um, that even through this, uh, many people who never would never would have said, you know. Um, we we need to address mental health in the church. Um, have have gone, you know, maybe, maybe there's actually something to that. So let me give you um, a couple of definitions and uh, and we'll keep going. Uh, this is the how the DSM5 defines a uh, a mental disorder right? And the DSM-5, for those of you who, who may not know, is the uh, Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. It's, it's what mental health professionals uh, use to, um, to evaluate and um, uh, uh, assign diagnosis and all those things. So um, this is how they define it. They say a mental disorder is a syndrome characterized by clinically significant disturbance in an individual's uh, cognition, emotion, regulation, or behavior that reflects a dysfunction in the psychological, biological, or developmental processes underlying mental functioning. Okay, so that's that's a good definition, but it's let's be honest, it's a textbook definition, right? Um, here's another one uh, from a guy named uh, Matthew Stanford. He wrote a book uh, that I'm going to be recommending to you later. Um, but here's his definition, and the uh, the emphasis on here is mine: a clinically significant disruption of a person's thoughts, moods, behavior, or ability to relate to others, severe enough to require intervention, a debilitating experience in which the person is simply unable to function normally over an extended period of time. Right. Um, and I'm going to drop this PowerPoint in the, uh, I'll drop a PDF of this in the notes, by the way. Um, so if you, uh, if you want that, um, I will do that here in a little bit. Um, so a couple things that I just want to point out. Number one, it's clinically significant, right? Uh, we, we talk about um, someone being sad and we talk about them being depressed, right? That's not what we're talking about when we talk about clinical Depression, So it has to be clinically significant. It's not just a period of sadness. The, the DSM-5 actually uh, defines it that a, a certain number of criteria has to be there over a two-week period, um, at least a two-week period, right? And so it has to be clinically significant, uh, severe enough to require intervention. Um, that intervention may look different. And uh, in different settings, and people may not always take that intervention, um, but it's severe enough where it would require that intervention, Um, you know, unable to function normally over an extended period of time back to that, that two week thing. Um, You know, sometimes people have with me being one that, that deals with depression and anxiety and panic attacks. um, I've been asked before, okay, tell, tell me what your mindset is like. Uh, when, when you have depression and sometimes to, or or when you are in one of your depressive episodes. Um, And sometimes to be honest, that's a, that's a hard question to answer. Uh, But where I've landed with how I, how I um, answer people most of the time is I say, think about when you wake up in the morning, uh, when you get out of bed, um, actually before you get out of bed and you're laying there and you have all those thoughts running through your head. You're thinking about what you've got to do in the day. You've thought of thinking about these things that you know you have to do, but you don't want to do. You're thinking about what happened yesterday. You've got cares and worries and, and all these things swirling through your head. But at some point, you will yourself to get up out of bed because you know, okay, even though I don't want to do this, you know, even though I know I have these things coming up today, I know that I got to get up and I got to be a, you know, productive member of society. With my depression, there's something lying to me where I'm not able to do that. Like it's almost as if I'm I'm not able to will myself up out of bed. Now, again, there's, there's a spectrum there to, to be sure. Uh, but that's one of the best ways that I've been able to describe it, uh, to someone who doesn't experience these on, on a personal level. All right. So, um, let's keep going. Ah, here we go. Here we go. These are three characteristics. Now we're, we're kind of getting into the, uh, um, the, the characteristics that make identifying mental illness hard. And this kind of contributes, I think, to some of the stigma, right? Episodes come and go. Um, They look, I, I had back in 2015 and 2016, I had my longest um, depressive period, period period of where I was experiencing these things uh, at about seven or eight months. And then I went, two years before experiencing another um, episode that was longer than a couple days, right? So so because the episodes come and go, be, because it's it's um, so I don't want to say un, yeah, it is kind of unpredictable, I guess. Um, that you it's hard to identify it uh, to other people. Um, along with that, it's usually hidden right? I told people this in that seven or eight months. Um, when I, when I was in that kind of deep, uh, depressive state, I was a fantastic employee. I mean, I, I was doing youth ministry at the time and, uh, um, I, I, I'm not like bragging on myself, but like I did my job well, you know, and, uh, and, and I heard from, from people who would say, you know, that, that, Hey, you did a good job here. You did a good job here. I would go above and beyond. The problem was that when I got home, my, my wife and my daughter suffered, um, because I was completely spent at that point. Right. And I had nothing left to offer them. Um, there's a, there's a fantastic, um, analogy about, um, and it's about, um, physical illness, but I think it applies to mental illness as well. And I forget uh, who who originally said it, um, but it's that managing an illness is kind of like managing uh, spoons. And so you get a set number of spoons each day. Um, and once those spoons are gone, they're gone. And you can borrow spoons from the next day, but then you have less spoons The next day right so you have this limited amount so i was a fantastic employee um and the only the only reason that our senior minister knew was because he um he uh, dealt with depression as well and uh and so he and i had many talks about that but nobody in our congregation knew that i was that i was struggling with this that i was dealing with this Uh, but my wife she was definitely aware And then the third thing is this, episodes are are situation specific, right? That's the other thing that makes it hard. Um, Because like I said, I was a great employee, uh, but when I was home, it it was an issue. Um, I I deal with anxiety. And so uh, there are times when large crowds are an issue for me, and specifically certain settings in large crowds. But then there are other times when it's not at all. Like I can be at a church service and be totally fine. And in fact, one of the few times when I don't experience anxiety is when I'm preaching, which is, which is very odd. Isn't that weird? Isn't And I think that's, (laughs) I think that's, I think think that speaks to just how hard it can be. Because if you were only looking at me on a Sunday, you would go, well, he's, he's not depressed he doesn't, he doesn't have issues with the depression. What what are you talking about? Right? So if I'm, if I'm preaching or gardening, that's the other one. If I'm gardening, anxiety is not an issue, never has been. Um, so I just need to preach or garden, I guess. Good thing I'm in a rural area. Um, but, uh, but you know, in other settings it's, it, it pops up. And so it's specific to situations. Okay. So here's a question that always comes up. Um, Mm what is the source yeah. of mental disorders or mental illness? Is it biological? Is it psychological? Is it spiritual? Or is it cultural? My answer is yes. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's all of them, right? Yeah. Um, if, if we think of a, a um, if, if we think of someone as, as a holistic individual, right um, there are many things that contribute uh, to who we are and, and how we we behave. And, and all of these work together, right? So, you know, we sometimes ask, well, is, is, uh, is, is your anxiety coming from sin? Well, no, but I can also tell you this, sometimes my sin has increased my anxiety, And is, and is, is, is my anxiety purely a issue with my biological makeup? Well, no, there's other things that contribute, but that certainly plays a part. Is it something about the culture around us? Right. Um, 2020, you know, uh, we can't say that, that Culture doesn't play a role in, in mental disorders, and so the truth is that all of these play into it. Uh, but the the um, the church, what we sometimes tend to do is we focus on that one in the lower left, and look, that's our domain. That's that's what we do. That's that's uh, the hope that we have to offer that no other organization has to offer. Uh, but let's not ignore these other things. Right, so um, you know, basically summed up like this: in a fallen world, all of life is impacted, including the ways that God created our minds to work. Uh, A couple of couple of Bible uh, verses I want to give you, and I want you to know, just for the record, that these are purely um, speculation. Okay, Um, I I can't tell you with a hundred percent certainty. that, um, oh yeah, that, that biblical character had mental illness. But there are signs that make me think maybe they were dealing with that. You know, David talks about my, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. Uh, that sounds a lot like what anxiety does. Uh, now, oh Lord take Jonah says now oh Lord take my life for it's better for me to die than to live. Right. Um, that, Sounds a lot like somebody who is in a deep depressive state that that can't see any way out of it. Uh, Jeremiah, you know, the same thing. Cursed be the day I was born. Why did I ever come out of the womb to see trouble and sorrow and end my days in shame? and then, you know, Elijah, again, I have had enough, Lord, he said, take my life, I am not better than my ancestors. This one's a fascinating one. Uh, because what what had just happened, he had just come off of this, like major, yeah. major victory, you know, um, defeated these prophets of Baal and, and all of these things, like, like, we're talking like, super camp high. Mm-hmm. And then the very next chapter, we, we read this and, and, You know, it's like, that's what it, that's what it does. Um, And some have even speculated Paul, the apostle Paul. um, Therefore, in order to keep me from being, becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power May rest on me, right? Was that was that a mental health issue? Was it a physical issue? We we don't know, um, but I think the 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 application here is that even with that thorn in his flesh, uh, he, he God's grace was sufficient for him. Uh, he was he was able to, in spite of the things that he had to struggle with, uh, he was able to. Uh, boast in in uh, the name of the lord and that gives me hope that gives me encouragement um and i'll i'll mention this a little later but that's that's the one thing um, that that the church can offer uh, that so many others who are addressing this mental health uh, issue cannot uh, now now to be fair and and just to be clear, um, I think that it is a, a all hands on deck approach, um, to, to mental health. Um, so, so I think that there are, um, there is a need for, um, medical doctors. There is a need for, um, psychologists. There's a need for counselors, um, and there's a need for faithful Christians, uh, who will step into the lives of people. Um, so, Here's what you may have actually joined this uh, this session to do, because all of that that I just said may have been a review to you. Uh, but what what can we what can we do? Um there's, there's five things that I think we can do. I, there's many more, uh, but we don't have time for all the many more. So we'll focus on the the five. Educate yourself and others. Teach a holistic view of humans. Um, approach it not as a program, but a mindset. Be aware of what you are communicating and offer people the hope only Jesus can offer. So here's here's the first one, right? Educate yourself. Um, I think that, that part of the issue that we see with there being a stigma in the church is just because people don't know. Um, and, and we tend to not, we, we tend to be weirded out and intimidated by things we don't know. You know, I mean, I mean, think about, um, you know, doing rural ministry. Uh, one of the things that I, that I hear sometimes is, you know, about the people in the city and, oh, I could never live in the city and I could never do that. And, and I, they're just so different. Well, the funny thing is city people do the exact same thing about people in rural areas, right? Like, I just don't understand them. I don't get it. They have a weird mindset, right? So we have this tendency to, to kind of look at um, things we don't know with this kind of eye of like suspicion and and kind of wondering like, and so we tend to just ignore it. Well, that may work in some areas, uh but when we've got 50 million people uh in the United States that are dealing with uh with mental health issues, um that we're missing a huge chunk of uh of of people uh that that need Jesus. So so two books uh that I want to recommend for you grace for the afflicted uh, by matthew stanford uh, and then mental health and the church uh, by stephen gersovich and uh, and these are these are books that um i they're written by um you know dr stephen gersovich is um he's at northeast ohio medical university um and then he's the founder of a, a ministry called key ministries um, and then Matthew Stanford is a um, uh, he has his PhD from from Baylor, uh, but he is the CEO of the Hope and Healing uh, Center and Institute in Houston, right? And so these what I appreciate is they're approaching it from a um, distinctly Christian perspective, but it's not a pastor writing these books. It's someone who has been who has been trained uh, in these, in these things. Um, you know, I've told people that I can only take people so far because look, I took no classes in seminary on, uh, on mental health. I think there was, there was one class where we spent half a class period talking about mental health issues. Right. And that, that was it. And, uh, you know, I mean, I I wish we would have spent more, but that wasn't the focus, and and while I that, that makes me sad, I, I understand why they went that route. Um, but the these these resources and others um, are are good ones. Um, here's four websites uh, you you can check those out. Like I said, the the uh, link to this will be in the in the comments, so you can you can look there. Um, here's the second one: teach a holistic view of humans. Um, and this actually came from, from Matthew Stanford, uh, who I mentioned earlier, this, this chart, I, uh, reproduced it and kind of modified it. So, um, but he talks about how, um, one area of, of who we are, one realm of who we are is always going to affect everything else. Right? So, so here's an example um, let's say that I have a, um, uh, physical, my, my biological makeup, there's something in my brain, uh, that is not as it should be. Right. And, and so because of that, I, I, uh, I deal with, um, you know, depression, anxiety, uh, whatever it may be. Okay. We tend to look at all these circles as like, well, one's over here and one's over here and one's over here and one's over here and they're, and they're all separate, right? But they all impact one another. So the, the physical um, then impacts my relational, right? Because let's take anxiety, for example. Um, if, I, if I have issues with anxiety, then I may find it really, really hard to connect with people. Um, and what are churches known for? community, right? Or we ought to be known for community anyway. But I but I find it really really hard because there's this chemical makeup in my brain that that makes me predisposed towards anxiety. And so then my relational um is is impacted. Well, then that might affect my my mental um uh, outlook on things because well well, then I start to overthink well, why why can't I connect with people why what's what's going on what's what's wrong with me? which is something as someone with anxiety, right that may sound silly, but that's like huge, and then that affects my spiritual right as well because okay, so not only can I not connect with um people in significant ways in Christian community, but then I find it hard to connect with God because, okay, now I think something's wrong with me. What's, what's wrong with me? How do I, how do I fix this? People don't love me. Does God love me? Do you see like, these are all connected. And so I think, I think one of the ways that we as leaders start to address this is to teach more of a holistic view of humans, of, of humanity. The next one, how we how we begin to overcome this is it's not a program, but it's a mindset. Um, And, uh, you know, I think this one is important and I think it's one that we we get wrong a lot Um, because in churches, I think we're 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 kind of it's like we have the the fix it attitude right we have the attitude of like okay we have an issue um so we need to get leaders together and we need to figure out a program because that's going to fix it because if we can just find the right program uh then then everything will be better and it'll all be okay right the problem is mental illness is so so varied there you know i talked about it being episodic i talked about it being hidden. I talked about it being specific to situations, um, that even if you wanted to come up with a program to address mental illness, I don't think you could like, I think about in, in my church family. Okay. There's, there's me, uh, who deals with depression, anxiety, panic attacks. Um, there is a, a lady in her seventies, uh, that I know deals with, um, depression um for very different reasons than than me. Um, and then there is a um, Vietnam vet who uh has extremely bad PTSD. Okay, so how are we gonna create a program that's going to <laughs> gonna help all of us, right? Like it's it's so hard and it's so different and it's so varied. Um, so I think what we have to do instead is we have to create space in our programs for those with mental health issues. You know, we, we have to create that space and we have to create those opportunities for, for people to be involved just as people and not as someone that deals with, with a mental Health issue. Okay, this one I'm really passionate about. Right, be aware of what you are communicating verbally and non-verbally. There, there is a. Thankfully, um, there is a um, many in our in our um, society that go okay. Using the R word to refer to people that um, have um, yes. cognitive disabilities is not okay, and we should not do that. And I am and, and thankful for that. We need to have the same sort of awareness when it comes to um, mental illness and, and mental disability So, so think about this: How often do you hear somebody uh, say, "Man, I'm just so depressed"? Right, or man, I'm just so anxious, or or you hear somebody say, man, that about gave me a panic attack, and I want to look at people sometimes and say, um, no, it didn't actually. I mean, I I, I you know will sit in my office sometimes and uh, n- not anymore. My my back used to be to the door, and uh, I, I had a youth group kid uh um come in and and grab me you know like that and i jumped and i startled and i started breathing really heavy and and i didn't have a panic attack and and he looked at me and he said oh did i make you have a panic attack not knowing that i actually deal with panic attacks and it's kind of like almost actually quite quite literally so we have to be aware of the words that we use um Another one, I'll be honest, that I'm working on um, is crazy. When I say something's crazy, um, I don't mean anything by that, um, but I know that there are some people that 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 has a very negative connotation for, and so that's one. I mean, just honestly, that I'm even as someone with uh, mental health issues, I'm working on, and so that's that's just an ongoing process. Be aware. Of that, um, but also be aware of what the nonverbals are communicating. So, do things like um, service structure, physical layout—you know, all those things. Do do they um, create a space where people with a mental illness might struggle? Right. So, I'll, I'll give you some examples. Um, we have a a classroom where um, we have no windows. Um, but you know, being aware of those sorts of things. Um, I don't know. Do do any of y'all's um, church families do the meet and greet time? I mean, maybe not. Like pre COVID, did you do the meet and greet time? Anybody? Some some of you maybe. Um, I, I got to be honest. We got rid of ours, and I was so happy. I I blamed COVID for that one. I was like, well, sorry, we can't shake hands, you know, because COVID. Um, but really I wanted to do away with the meet and greet time. And the reason is because of my anxiety, yeah. uh, because someone going into that, that, I mean, I put myself in the shoes of, of someone going in for the first time to a, to a service. And, uh, I don't know anybody here. I've got anxiety and I've been told, uh, that I need to greet everyone and say hello. Yeah. No, yeah. no, <laughs> I. I I I'm not gonna do that at all, and in fact, I might not come back because uh, no, I I don't want to deal with that. Um, so you know, just being aware of those, I could I could give more examples um, uh, for sure, but um, but yeah, be be aware of that. Sorry guys, let me I got something weird going on here. Okay. Um, and then the last one, um, and this is, this is the very preacher answer, right? But I'm a preacher, so I can't get away from it. Um, offer people the only hope that Jesus can hope that only Jesus can offer, right? Um, that is to be honest, the one thing that we have as the church that no one else addressing mental health has, um, is that that we have Jesus? Uh, we we have um, the the hope that that He offers. Uh, you know, I said my mental illness impacts me, but it doesn't define me. Uh, my identity is in Christ, um, and I I think that there. You know, after I had that long episode of depression, uh, and and after a, a number of years dealing with anxiety. Um, and after those panic attacks that, that kept happening and honestly keep happening. Um, it's, it's, it's something that, um, you know, I'm on medication for, but, but even still, it it still happens. Um, I struggled a lot. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm somebody who gets up every week and preaches a sermon, hopefully to tell people how much God loves them and how much of a, of, of a desire he has to have a relationship with them and how much he, he, um, how much they are loved and they are his children and, and all of these things. And there's forgiveness open to everyone. And, and you are never too fall and all these things. And yet I'm preaching this sermon on Sunday um, all the while Saturday night and Monday morning, uh, dealing with this debilitating feeling that I'm not good enough and God doesn't love me. Right. And it was because of these lies that my, um, depression and anxiety tells me these, these lies of, um, this is who you are. You're the only one. That's, that's a huge thing, by the way, you are the only one that deals with this. Right, um, and, and when I came to understand that it impacts me, but it doesn't define me, uh, my identity is in Christ, um, that, that changed it for me completely. I still struggle. You're, you, I probably still will for the rest of my life. And I used to pray to God to take it away. God, take this away from me. Take this away from me. Why have you given to If prayer could fix mental illness, I would be cured. I have no doubt about that, but I'm not. But I've been able to use my depression and my anxiety for God's glory as I've, as I've talked with others. Um, I have never once mentioned it in a sermon where I haven't gotten done and had someone come up to me and say, man, I thought I was the only one. I mean, I, I, I preached the first time I ever preached it, preached on, uh, on mental health uh, in Texas. I had a, a guy come straight up to me, beeline after the service, and he goes, I thought I was the only one. And then you told your story, and it almost mirrors mine exactly. And this was a guy that had been coming for a month and had not really gotten plugged into our church family. Uh, but because we because of this vulnerability uh, he he was able to connect probably in a way that he hadn't been able to connect at a church uh, before and so so let's offer the hope uh, that only jesus can offer well thanks for listening to the born again anxious podcast if you enjoyed what you heard we'd love for you to leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform Additionally, if you'd like to continue the conversation, we'd love to connect on Facebook. So just go to facebook.com slash bornagainanxious and join our private Facebook group, or you can simply find us by searching Born Again Anxious.